Amen. That's awesome. You guys go ahead and grab a seat. As you're doing that, I want to welcome you to Summit Community Church. My name's Mark. I'm the lead pastor, and we're just excited and honored, privileged to have you here today. If today's your first, second time with us today, we just want to celebrate you guys, and we're excited to have you here. Summit, let's welcome all of our uh, new people visiting with us today, first, second time guests, and and hey, if, if you are our first-time guest, second-time guest, we honestly consider you guys our VIPs. And we would love to uh, put something really cool that we put together just for first, second-time guests in your hands. We've got a free gift for everybody that's new today. And all you need to do to get that is when you walked in today, you got a connection card. That's that card we gave you when, we, when you walked in. That's what we call it. And if you just fill that out or as much as you'd be willing to, right out there in the lobby to your right is our welcome table. And uh, after church today, just head to the welcome table, give them that card, and we've got a free gift uh, for all of our first-time guests, second-time guests, first-time guests, we've got a CD and all kinds of stuff, second-time guests, got some, uh, some really cool things for local restaurants here in town. So man, hit those up if you're brand new uh, here today visiting. And if you've been coming for a while, uh, maybe a while, maybe you've been coming for every week for the past a uh, month. Maybe you've been coming since Easter. Maybe you've been coming since we launched five years ago, and you've been asking yourself, man, how can I get connected and plugged in here to this church? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. Right after church today, right after church, over there where they're doing Summit Kids right now, uh, we are having our partnership event. Say, so what's the partnership event? Partnership event is an event we do about every other month or so where it gives people the opportunity to make Summit your official church. So you can actually become a, a partner. That's what we call membership here. So if you've got a church background, maybe a uh, church you were at, they called it membership. You know, I, I, I'm a member of that church. Well, here we call it partnership. And the reason we call it partnership is because we really believe that God wants all of us to partner together to reach this region and change the world. And so if you want to actually become a partner, make this your official home church, we would love for you to stick around for the partnership event. It takes about five or six minutes to set up over there in the Summit Kids area. But hey, if you didn't, a lot of, some of you signed up. If you didn't sign up, come anyway. We Free lunch, so lunch is provided. Uh, you bring you, your whole family, and stick around. It's about 45 minutes or an hour long right over there in what we call the multi-purpose room. It's where Summit Kids in. Stick around for that. You're all invited. If you want to actually become a partner of Summit, stick around today for the partnership event. And hey, I'll tell you what, something really cool that we always try to mention, that we try to get a lot of people connected to. You want to know what's going on here at church and where we're going, anything that's coming up? Great way to know, to stay in the know, rather, is to download our app. And so if you've got an uh, iPhone, Android device, whatever you're packing, uh, you can download our app. And man, it's got all kinds of stuff. You can listen to sermons, you can watch sermons, and uh, you can do all kinds of stuff. We're constantly adding new content to our app. One thing that, that tons of people use every week is what we're about to do. There's a section on our app where you can take sermon notes. And so a lot of you, man, I see the stats every single week. Tons of people are using that every week. Hundreds of people are literally every week. And so you can download that. And there's notes for the sermon you're about to uh, thoroughly enjoy um, uh, here today. That was a joke. And, um, but uh, something cool you can do on our app is you can give on our app. And so right now our ushers are going to come and... Uh, get in place, and we're going to receive our offering. And uh, this week, I wanted to share something with you during this time as our ushers are getting ready. This is an awesome opportunity for us as a church to worship God in giving. 
And I read something this week that I thought was really eye-opening for me. I, I read an article this week, uh, and it was, it was called, What Happens, What Would Happen, rather, If the Church Tithed? Now, maybe that word tithe is a brand new word for you, and what that word simply means is, is God is a great God. God's a God who, who gives. He's a generous God. He gave His only Son, Jesus. Everything we have comes from Him. Everybody said amen? Amen. Woo! Fired up. And uh, so what, that, what the word tithe means is tithe, we give back a portion to God of what God's given to us. Tithe literally means 10%. So I read an article, uh, what would happen if the entire church, Christians around the world, tithe. And look at these stats here. Go ahead, guys, bring this up on the screen. These are true statistics, and these are true, honestly, for our church, honestly, and literally for every church. But look at these stats. Only 10 to 25% of a typical congregation tithes. Only 10 to 25%. 80% of Americans give 2% of their income, okay? Christians give 2.5% right now. Look at this. Christians gave 3.3% during the Great Depression. Think about that for a second. Okay. Now, now what would happen if the entire church tithe? Watch this. Christians, if Christians increase their giving to a minimum of 10%, $165 billion, that would equal. That would, that's just a rough guess. $165 billion for churches, our church, every church around the world, for Christians, for churches to distribute. And look how this breaks down. Watch this right here. Go ahead and bring this up. That would equal something like this. $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and death from preventable diseases in five years. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues. $1 billion could fully fund all overseas missions work right now. Fully funded. And that would leave $100 to $110 billion still left for additional ministry expenses. Isn't that amazing? If the church... Would tithe, and you're hearing this, and you're thinking, well, listen, Mark, listen, man, I, that's great for the people who can give 10%, but honestly, we're not there. We're not able to do that. And you know what? To, to, that, that's fine. God knows that. You know that. Those first stats about how, you know, where Christians used to give more in the Great Depression than they do now, I mean, that can make us feel really bad and feel guilty, but guilt doesn't lead to any changed lives. I don't want anybody to feel bad, but what I want us to see, you know what? If we were all to say, you know what? Okay, so maybe I could start giving 10%. And I'm not. And if that's you, I would challenge you to do it. Here's why. Because God is faithful. God is your provider. God will meet your needs. I just want you to know. I want you to know. I want you to know. Holy cow, you guys are fired up and this is just the offering talk. I can't wait for the sermon. Okay. But maybe you're not able to do that. And I want you to know, God knows that. God knows that. God loves you. And, and listen, I might not know who you are, but you're not condemned here. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But here's what I would say. Mark, we're not able to give 10%. Okay, well, what if you just took a step? What if you just said, you know what? I can't give 10%, but you know what? I'm going to start to give. You know why a lot of people don't give? Let me tell you why a lot of people don't give. And, and, and if this isn't you, well, then you just move on. But a lot of people don't give because giving isn't a wallet issue. It's not a money issue. Giving is a heart issue. I love what Jesus says. Jesus says this here, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. A lot of people don't give because you, your money says this. If you pull out any, any form of currency money right now, it says what? In who we trust. Who what? In God we trust. It says that, but a lot of us don't do that. Because what we really trust is the dollar. We really trust that, that money. And Jesus says, you know what? One of the biggest competitors for my heart is my money. It's my 
stuff. And so every week when we receive this offering, it's an opportunity. And maybe you never think of this. I want you to start thinking about this. It's an opportunity. Every time you give, whether you give online, I give online. I give online. I give actually through our app. Uh, but if you give our, our, through our app, give at our website, you give right here. Here's what I want you to think about. Here's what I want. Every time you give, whether you click give on the screen or you drop it in a basket like you're about to do, I want you to think about this. I want, every time you do it from here on out, today and from forever until Jesus comes back or you die, I want you to think this. I trust God, not stuff. God is my provider, not fill in the blank. God is my salvation, not money. I want you to think about that. Just a minute, when you put this, your offering in the basket or you click give, click give on that screen, I want you to say to yourself, you can say it out loud if you need to, God is my provider, not money. So here's what I want to say. Here's why we're doing this today. I just want, and this is just real quick. This right here. Your giving matters. Your, your, your giving matters. What we just now, listen, every week when you give, a portion of what you give at Summit Community Church right here in Hazard, Kentucky goes to meeting those needs that we talked about. Goes to, goes to hungry children, families all over the world. It goes to, to educational needs through organizations that we're a part of. It goes to starting churches like Connection Point Church in Barberville that we've partnered with for the past four years, like Summit Whitesburg that we're about to launch here in the next couple of weeks and months. Other guys and other people in this church, they're coming to me. Mark, I feel called to pastor. I feel, God, I feel called to start a church. Well, you know what? You are in a church that wants to help you start that church so that we can reach this community, region, and change the world. What you give here every week, I'm telling you, what you give here every week, every dime, every dollar matters. It does. It's so insignificant. There is no insignificant gift in the kingdom of God. There is no insignificant gift in the kingdom of God. So we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to bless this offering and and after I say amen, the guys up there in the booth, they're going to show us a quick video to set up the sermon today. But let's pray right now. Father, I just thank you that you are our provider, that you know our needs. And God, there's a lot of people here today, and there's a lot of needs in this room right now. You know everyone. And you're not intimidated by any need that we have in our lives, God. In fact, you are more than able to meet that need. And so, God, I pray that we would step out by faith. Some people would step out by faith right now. They're going to give for the first time. And I pray that on the other side of that step, they would meet you. I pray, God, for the person that gives every single week. Just remind them that you're faithful. I pray for the person, maybe they're not prepared to give right here in this, ser- this service. They're going to give online. They're going to give through the app. However they're going to give today or this week, God, when they click give on that screen, help them to know you love them and you're their provider. So, God, we give today by faith that you will take what is given here and use it to make a difference in this region and around the world. Jesus, thank you that you have the ability to take a small gift and multiply it and feed thousands and change lives. So do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, God bless you. Thank you so much for, for your gift today, whether it's here, whether it's online. And check out this video that the guys are going to show right here.
right, guys, today we are in part two of our series that we uh, launched last week called Fighting For. And what we're doing in this series, what we're doing in this three-week series, so next week it wraps up, we are discovering how to move from fighting in our families, our marriages, our relationships, and we're discovering how to start fighting for our families, our marriages, our relationships. And so today, we are, what we're going to do today is we, we're going to kind of combine what we did last week with today. So if you missed last week, again, you can download the app and you can listen to, you can watch, you can go to summithazard.com and check out last week because last week we talked about why you should fight for your marriage, for those relationships. Well, today we are going to talk about how to do it. Today we are going to talk about how to fight for your marriage, how to fight for those key relationships, how to, how to fight for your family. And so listen, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, man, I'm not married. I'm not in anything like that, so this really doesn't apply to me. No, listen, you want to take notes. You want to kind of lean in today if maybe you're not married right now because here's the thing. If you're, if you're single right now and one day you want to be married, I promise you, you want the guy, the girl that you're going to marry, you want your future husband, your future wife to be somebody that you can partner with and fight for the marriage that God wants you to have. Fight for the family that God wants you to have. So you need to take notes, okay? Maybe some of you have been single for a long time and your kind of standard is if it has a pulse, I'll date it. Let's raise the standard today, all right? So we're gonna raise the bar a little bit. We're gonna talk about how to fight for our marriages, how to fight for our families. Because here's the thing, every single marriage starts with a commitment, doesn't it? Every marriage starts with a commitment. I don't care if you had a big, elaborate wedding ceremony. Uh, I remember my wedding. We invited hundreds of people. The church was, was packed. Elena, my wife, just the most beautiful woman that God's ever made. She was stunning, and she was married this four-eyed dork with a massive forehead. And it was so awesome because uh, the moment that, uh, that, they, that the preacher said, I introduced to you Mr. and Mrs. Combs, at that moment, they started to play the Star Wars theme song. And it was a glorious moment, and angels cried. It was beautiful. Um, they really did play the Star Wars music at my wedding, and uh, they will in heaven too, okay? So just get used to it. Um, but every, I don't care if you have this big, massive, elaborate ceremony. I don't care if you kind of snuck off, loped, and Elvis did your wedding. I don't care. Every marriage starts with a commitment, Right? That, that you stood up and, and looked at that person and said, I promise to love you, to honor you, to cherish you until death do us part for, for sickness or health, for poverty or wealth, till, till, till one of us kicks the bucket, I'm in. Right? That's the commitment that we made. And maybe you were really excited about making that commitment. Maybe you were really excited about, about going into life together. You were going to love each other and you were going to take care of each other and it was going to be the sweetest thing ever. And then life came. Right? And then, and then life came and all the things that life just kind of throws at you happened to your marriage. And so jobs and kids and bills and responsibilities. And so life just happened. And, and, and unintentionally, most of the time, somewhere along the way, you just kind of shifted into cruise control. And just started to exist together. It happens all the time. 
And so I just want to say to us today that if you want to experience, if I want to experience God's best for our marriages, for our families, then you've got to know we've got to fight for that. We've got to fight if we want to experience God's best, if we want to experience God's plan for our marriages, for our families, we've got to fight to experience that. Now, let me just say this, and you need to, I want you to hear this. When I talk about God's plan for your marriage, I am not saying that God's plan for your marriage is that you would stay together simply for the kids. That is not God's plan for your marriage. Because odds are, they're moving out one day. Or you'll kick them out. Right? That's not God's plan. When I'm talking about God's plan for your marriage and family, I'm not talking about two people. It says, it's, it says they're married on paper, but essentially they're roommates. And yeah, their address is the same. And yeah, they live in the same house. Ah, they might even sleep in the same bed. But basically, they're living two separate lives. That's not God's plan for your marriage. God's plan for every single marriage in the room right now, and everybody that's watching, everybody that's listening, God's plan is that you and your spouse would become one. I mean, we said it last week, and we're going to see it here in just a second in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Ephesians 5, turn it on on your phone. But we're going to see it in just a second that when the, when the Bible says that God made marriage to be a picture between Jesus and the church, between Jesus and how Jesus loves the church, the way that picture works out is that God wants your husband, your, God wants your husband and you, or you, your wife and you, God wants you, you as a married couple, God wants you to be one. One emotionally, one spiritually, one physically. I mean, it literally means intimacy at every level. That's what, that's what God wants, and I am telling you, nobody experiences that on accident, okay? If you want that, if you want God's plan, if you want to experience it, man, you got to fight for it. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about four commitments, so you might want to write these down. Like I said a minute ago, it's on the app right now. You can just follow along right there. Click sermon notes if you downloaded it. If not, you can get it later. Just write these down. These are four commitments that we're going to make today if we are going to start fighting for our marriages. And when I say we, I mean we. So guys, this is not a sermon for your wife, and mentally you can check out. All right? Well, I hope she does this. No, 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 no. Listen, if, if, if it's just her, odds are she's going to slap your jaw, okay? When I say we, I mean we. I mean everybody. I mean both of you. If we are going to fight, then men, you got to fight. Ladies, you got to fight. So these are four commitments that we, both people in the marriage, we have got to make four commitments if we're going to fight for our families. Now, full disclosure, the four commitments that we're going to make, four commitments I'm going to talk about today, four commitments I'm going to talk about today, full disclosure, there is a book, you might want to check this out if you want to dive a little deeper, called What Did You Expect by a guy named Paul Tripp. Awesome book, really recommended about marriage, but these four commitments, I, 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 these four commitments came from this book. All the other ideas and everything else, those are mine, but these four commitments, man, they're just amazing. I love these things, so I just wanted to share them with you today, but full disclosure, if you want to dive real deep into what we're going to do today, there's a book called What Did You Expect by Paul Tripp. Go and check it out. 
All right? So four commitments. Four commitments that we're going to make if we're going to fight for our marriages. Here's the first one. First commitment is this. We will make growth and change a daily priority. We will make growth and change a daily priority. So you got a Bible open? Let's do it. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, and we read this last week, but what I want to do today is I want to back up and I want to read all of it in its context, all right? So, so I, want, I want us all to understand what, how, how this all fits together. So Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to start reading in, uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 18, okay? In verse 18, Ephesians 5, 18, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. If not, I think the words are going to be up on the screen behind me, I think, here in just a second. But Ephesians 5, 18, we're going to read through the rest of the chapter. It says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. If you've got a Bible, will you underline that? You can highlight it on your app, too. Filled with the Spirit. I'm going to come back to that, but that is the big idea. That's the crazy glue that holds all this together. Filled with the Spirit. All right, we'll come back to that. We'll talk about that. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one, there's our word, one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So right there in verse 19, that's our big idea. So everything that Paul, who wrote this book, the book of Ephesians and most of the New Testament, the big idea that holds everything together is that if you and I, if, we're gonna, if I'm going to be the husband that I need to be, if, if we're going to be the husbands, guys who are married or men one day that want to be married, ladies, if we're going to be, you're going to be the wives that God wants you to be right now or the wife that God wants you to be one day, then, then the thing you've got to have, you have got to have the Holy Spirit in your life. We, we've got to be filled with the Spirit. Say, that sounds weird. What's that mean? Well, right here in Ephesians chapter 4, to be filled with the Spirit, it means that every single day we need to give ourselves fully to the Spirit changing us and making us like Christ. That's what it means. To be filled with the Spirit right here in Ephesians 4, the idea, if I'm going to be filled with the Spirit every day, then I need to surrender myself to the Holy Spirit, to God, so that every single day He can change me and make me more like Christ. That's what it means. Man, may I ask you a question here? How many people, especially show of hands, how many people here today love to cut grass? Love to cut grass? Raise your hand. Dana's hand shot right up. Dana Hall is always available for all your lawn care needs, by the way. Um, 
works at Summit and also Long Care Extraordinaire. Um, just anybody else just like to cut grass? You like to cut grass? Raise your hand. Put your hands up really high. Everybody else, these are the weird people. These are the weird people. Watch out for them. Go ahead and put your hands down. I like to cut grass three times. After that, I hate it. Just three times. First week, first week of the year that I cut grass, I'm like, let's do this. Man, I'm firing up that lawnmower. I'm firing up that weed eater. Woohoo! Cut some grass. That's week one. Week two, us oh, grass cutting day. That's cool. That's awesome. Let's go cut some grass. Week three, I'm thinking this. How much does it cost to concrete the lawn? Can I pave the lawn? I hate it. Right? And here's the thing. Imagine this, though. Imagine, imagine what would happen if you just cut grass one time a year. Right? Imagine what your lawn would start to look like. I mean, it would begin to look like for some of us that we live in a rainforest. Am I right? I mean, imagine what would grow if you just cut grass one time a year. That you, the only time you took care of the weeds in your yard around your house, you just did it one time. After that, who cares? See, that sounds crazy to do for our lawn, but you know what? That happens for marriages all the time. See, we get married, we make that commitment in front of people, and then all of a sudden we shift into cruise control, and then unintentionally, if we're not watching our marriages and relationships, weeds can start to grow in our marriages, right? Weeds can start to grow. Things that I don't want can start to grow in my life and in the biggest relationships of my life. So the weeds of selfishness can start to grow if I don't watch my marriage. The, the weeds of anger can start to grow if I don't watch the closest relationships in my life. The weeds of, of laziness, the weeds of busyness. Oh, I'm so busy and we're running around and we've got all of these things and I can't focus on take care of this marriage. I'm busy. And, and to be filled with the Spirit, what that means is that every single day I need to surrender myself to the Holy Spirit of God because, listen to me, church, the Holy Spirit can help you pull weeds out of your life. The Holy Spirit can do that. The Holy Spirit can help you pull weeds out of your life. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit can also help you plant things in your life. The Holy Spirit can help you plant things in your marriage. These are called the fruit of the Spirit. I think we might have them on the screen here in just a second. If not, the fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians 5, and the fruit of the Spirit simply says this. We don't have it there, but the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, are love, faithfulness, gentleness, patience, peace, self-control. I forgot a few. I ain't got to memorize. Quit judging me. Um, but that's the fruit of the Spirit. And here's the thing that happens in churches a lot of times. And correct me if I'm wrong. What happens in churches a lot of times, we hear, we hear talk about the fruit of the Spirit. That the fruit of the Spirit is love. And we think, oh man, I need to love people more. I need to be more loving. And who do we think about? We think about the people out there in the world, don't we? We think about the people at work. We think about the people at school. We think about the people that we need to reach for Jesus. And absolutely, we need to think about those people. But listen, the people that I need to start loving like Jesus live at my house. Three women just amen that. There we go. Another woman. Men, you're missing your boat. Men, I'm helping you with this sermon series. I promise you, man. promise you. You could, you could make out with your wife if you'd amen key points in this. I'm just trying to help, bro. You're just looking at me. Is he going to talk about bacon? No, dude. I'm trying to help you, man. Right? 
Love, joy, peace, patience. The people that we need to express those to live with us. It's your husband. It's your wife. It's your kids. Listen, church, this starts at home. It starts at home. Well, my spouse needs to change. You're absolutely right. They do. And the Holy Spirit of God can change them. You can't. But the Holy Spirit also wants to change you. So you got to daily surrender. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to give myself every single day to growth and change. I'm going to give myself every day to growth and change. Second commitment I'm going to make is that we will build a relationship of love. We will build a relationship of love. What is love? What is love? For the past two weeks, I've been working on this sermon, and every time I get to this point in the sermon, I think about that song. Remember that song? What is love? Remember that? Sorry. Sorry. It's a distraction. Sorry. I was thinking about that the other day. It's, it's weird stuff I think about when I do sermons. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Um, what is love? What is love? Here, here, we, we think love's a feeling, right? Or, or love is something you fall into. You hear people say that? I fell in love, fell into it, got it all over me. It's everywhere. Right? You know, the best description of love is actually in 1 John. Look at these verses that are going to be up on the screen here, uh, guys. 1 John 4, verses 7 through 10. Look at this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. If you want to know what love is, watch. Here it is. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That is love. The best picture, I said it last week, I want to say it again. The best picture of love is the cross of Jesus Christ because it is at the cross that you are seeing somebody put the world's needs above his own. It is at the cross that you see love with sacrifice. It is at the cross that you see love that never gives up. And so if I am going to love Elena the way that I'm supposed to, then what I need to do is over and over every day, I need to look at the cross by faith. I need to look at the cross and what God has done for me because he loved me through his son Jesus. I need to look at what he's done and look at that by faith over and over and over. Paul Tripp, in the book I referenced earlier, Paul Tripp says this. Paul Tripp says that our marriages are first vertical before they're horizontal. What that, mean, what that means is this. If I come to a place and say, you know what, I don't love my wife the way that I should. Do you know why I don't? It's because I don't love God the way that I should. I feel like something is off base in my life. I feel like something is off base in my parenting. I feel like something is off base with my marriage. Listen, do not try hard to make that better. That's not the first place you should go. Here's the first thing. You will need to try hard. You will need to make some adjustments. But you know where you need to go first? First, you need to go vertically. Because what it means is that God is not in the right place in my heart. That's what that means. Maybe the reason that I'm not the dad that I need to be is because God is not Lord in my heart. That I'm singing on Sunday and I'm giving on Sunday and I'm talking about him on Sunday, but he's not on the position of the throne of my heart and I need to get him back there. Marriages go vertical before they go horizontal. So how can we build a relationship of love? Every single day we need to be reminded of what God did for us because he loved us. This is, real, this is so practical. Are you reminding yourself on a daily basis of what God did for you because he loved you? Or is this it? How can I do that? Read the Bible. 
Read the Bible. God wrote a love letter to you and put 66 books in it. Right here it is. If you don't know where to start, right out there at the welcome table to your right, there's all kinds of blue Bible reading plans. You can read through the book of Mark. You can read through the four Gospels. In 90 days, you can read through the entire New Testament and watch, that, watch what that does with your relationship with God. Are you in a life group? Are you in a life group where, every, where, where regularly you're getting together with other Christians? There are people in your life who are praying for you by name. They know what's going on in your life. You're laughing together. You're hanging out. You're talking about God. You're growing together. Here's one. It's church a priority. Or you miss it if it rains. You'll miss it if it's nice. You'll miss it if it's cold. You'll miss it if it's warm. You'll miss it if there's weather. Don't get me started. I'm in counseling over how bitter I am. At some of you. I'm just joking. I'm joking. Right? But is it a priority? Some of you do this every single week. Some of you do this. I'm going to say this next week, but some of you, you'll, never mind. But I'll say it again next week. Some of you do this every single week. You'll go to your kids. Kids, do you want to go to church today? What? What? Listen, if you do that, would you just be consistent and do this for me? Next, before you do that, Next time you get paid, will you get all your kids together and say, kids, do you want to pay the bills or what do you want to do with the money? What do you want to do? Do that. Say, well, that's crazy. I know it's crazy because you're letting your children make the eternal decisions for your family. That is crazy. It's crazy. And listen, your kids weren't built by God for for that kind of decision. God put you there. Man, that's next week's sermon about fighting for your kids. I'm fired up. So, we're going to build a relationship with love. Are you reminding yourself? Third commitment we're going to make. Third commitment, here's this one. Number three, we will protect our marriage. We will protect our marriage. There's all kinds of things I could say here, but one of the best ways to protect your marriage is to pray together. There's all kinds of things I could say, but one of the best ways to protect your marriage is to pray together. Several years ago, I have no idea why they did this. Several years ago, Florida State University did a study, spent money. They wanted to know if prayer has a positive influence on marriages. Florida State University, not a Christian school at all. They wanted to know if prayer has a positive influence on marriage. Florida State University did a massive study, and they studied couples that did pray together, studied couples that didn't pray together, and you know what they found? Guess what they found? You're at church. What do you think they discovered? They actually released a document. I don't have it on screen, but you can Google it and see that I'm right. They actually released a statement that said, based on our research, prayer has a positive impact on marriages. Well, that's cool that Florida State did that, but God told us that first. Right? Pray together. And listen, listen, I want to be absolutely, radically, totally transparent with you. Man, I have struggled with this for years. I have struggled with this, man. And, and do you know why I've struggled with this? Pride. Pride. And here's why I struggle with this. Because listen, you guys, you guys just see me for like 30, 45 minutes a week. My wife lives with me, bro. I mean, she's seen it all. And here's what I honestly think. Here's what I honestly think. I think this. Why would she want to pray with me? I'm such a loser. Do you ever think that? And listen, because of that, that's pride. That's pride in my life. And because of that, I have missed so many opportunities to be the husband, to be the dad that God wanted me to be. I've missed so many opportunities to serve my family. And so listen, I'm not doing this series because my wife and I, because I figured it out and I'm just waiting for the church to catch up with me. In fact, can I just be honest with you and say I haven't preached a sermon in five years here that I've arrived at and I will probably never 
preach a sermon here in, in this church that I will arrive at, and I'm just waiting for you to catch up with me. I'm on the journey with you guys, okay? Trying to figure this out too, all right? But I just made the decision a couple of weeks ago, suck it up and do it. That sounds real spiritual. That's how I talk to myself. And so over the past couple of weeks, I've tried to be more consistent in getting our family together to pray together. And listen, listen, here's why prayer is a big deal. Because it is really hard to have your own agenda if you are praying with your spouse. Listen, when you and your spouse, when your family comes together to pray, your kingdom falls and God's kingdom comes. Happens every time. So I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you this week. Here's your homework. Pray together one time. If you're not praying together, I want you and your spouse, if you've got kids, get everybody together. I want you to pray together one time. Okay? Now, if you've never done this or if you don't do it regularly, here's what you need to know. It's awkward. It's awkward. Okay? Especially if you have little kids. All right? And you should not think that this is going to be the most spiritual time you've ever had in your life. You shouldn't think that by the time you say amen, your living room's filled with a choir of angels and No, no, no. I have three kids, 11, 9, and 4. So when we get together, and this just takes about a minute or two, you know, for what we're doing right now. We get together, we read a little Bible story, and we pray. Uh, But I'm just trying to do this one time. But for us, I got an 11-year-old, I got nine, four brothers, they're punching each other. If you got little kids, somebody's going to fart when you're praying. They're going to laugh about it. They are, right? Wives are thinking, I don't have kids, but he's doing it right now. He's just like, that's what he's doing. <laughs> it's going, I'm just telling you, it's going to. My little girl, Chloe, she's back there right now. Uh, we were doing, we were, we were doing, we were, this week we sponsored a child through Compassion International, and we were writing our, our Compassion Child a letter this week, so it got time to pray. And Chloe looked at me, she says, Daddy, let's pray for Jesus tonight. I said, we don't pray for Jesus, we pray to Jesus. She says, no, we're praying for Jesus tonight. I said, no, we pray to Jesus. She said, no, I want to pray for Jesus. And I said, listen, let's pray for Jesus. Because, because listen, listen, when you do what I'm talking about, sometimes, man, you just want to survive. You know what I'm saying? You just want to make it on the other side. Just do, but do it, man. Do it. Men, 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 do this one time this week. Listen, if you take your family out to eat, I don't care if you do it over nachos at lunch today. I don't care. Just do it one time this week. Protect our marriage. How? We're going to pray together. Last thing. Last thing, and I'm done. Number four. Here we go. We will give ourselves to confession and forgiveness. We will give ourselves to confession and forgiveness. Ever since, in Genesis 3, some Bible trivia. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned for the very first time, I mean, when they sinned for the very first time, anybody know what the very next thing they do is right after they sin? I mean, the first thing they do right when they sin. Anybody know? They hide. They hide. They hear God coming and they run away from God. They try to hide from God and then they take animal skins, try to cover up some stuff. They hide. And listen, listen, can I say something? Nothing has changed. We're still trying to hide today, aren't we? Somebody walks up to you, some of you did it here today. How are you? Oh, I'm good. You know you are a breath away from starting to smoke crack. I'm good. Couldn't be better. Could not be better. Twitching, right? (laughs) It's awesome. It's doing great. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're hiding. Adam and Eve started that, and we haven't stopped. Okay? Confession and forgiveness are hard. 
Forgiveness is hard. Can I tell you why forgiveness is hard? A lot of us have a hard time with forgiveness because somewhere along the lines we got this wrong idea that here's what, the, here's, what, here's what forgiveness means. Forgive and forget. That's nowhere in the Bible. God never said that. Listen, the Bible does say that God forgets our sin, but the Bible also says that God never forgets anything. So how do those two things gel together? Here's how they gel together. They gel together because when I confess my sin to God, he always forgives me, and you know what God does? He chooses to never bring it up again. Mark, you did that, but we're not gonna talk about it because I already forgave you. I'm moving on. There is no forgive and forget. Listen, write this down, write this down. Forgiveness is a process, not an event. It's a process. It's a process that every time you see them, every time it comes into your mind, you're praying to God, you're asking God, you are making the decision, I am not gonna dwell on that. I am not gonna live in the cage in the prison of bitterness and anger. I am not gonna let that dominate my life. I am, I am choosing to forgive. And the strength to forgive that person, see, this is easy to say, hard to do. The strength to forgive them over and over and over is to realize how much God has forgiven you. That's where you get it from. Confession, confession is hard. And let me say this, let me say this, let me say this. Change in your marriage and any area of your life cannot happen without confession. It can't. Real change cannot happen without confession. What's confession mean? Owning it. I did that. I said that. I thought that. I I went there, I did that, I did. And see, again, confession goes vertical before it goes horizontal. Confess to God. Say, God, I sinned against you when I did that. God, I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry that I said that. God, I'm sorry that I looked at that. God, I'm sorry that I went there. And listen, the great news today, maybe you're not a church person, the great news is that every single time you confess your sins to God, God is faithful and just to forgive you for every one of your sins. And it doesn't matter if you do it one time or a million times, because God is a God of grace. There is always forgiveness. But it starts with, it starts with confession, Yeah, I was tired when I did it. And yeah, there were a lot of things going on. And yeah, work was stressful. But I sinned. And so here's what we're gonna do. Today I'm gonna give you a chance to confess to God. Today I'm gonna give our church a chance to confess to God, God, that I've sinned. God, that my family, we need you. So we're gonna do two things today, two things today. In just a moment, some of our guys are gonna come out and they're gonna play and I'm gonna open up the front here and I'm gonna open up the front and I'm gonna invite you to come from the front to the back and if you're sitting there and, and you, God just moved in your heart, I wanna ask you today to get up out of your seat, men, women, married, single, I'm asking you to get up and to pray for your family. So you're gonna pray together? Listen, fighting for your marriage starts with prayer. Fighting for your marriage starts with prayer to God for your family. So in just a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to get up out of your seat and to come up here and to pray for your wife and to pray for your husband and to pray for your kids. 
In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Maybe God just spoke to you and there is something in your life that you need to confess. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment while other people are up here and they're praying for their family. And they're fighting for their family on their knees. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come up here and confess that sin to God. And can I say something to you? You are not confessing this sin to me because I'm just a man. There's nothing special about me. You don't need to confess any sin to me. But you do to God. So maybe, maybe God, the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit rather, has convicted you of a sin that you got to deal with today. You got to name it, label it. It's ugly, but it's real. It starts with confession and it ends with forgiveness. Let's deal with it today, all right? Let's deal with it today. Now listen, when you confess that sin to God, I want to tell you, maybe it also means you confess it to somebody horizontally. Maybe it means you go to your wife, your husband, your kids, I don't know. But it starts with confession to God. There might be somebody in the room today, you need Jesus Christ to forgive you for your sins and you need to start a relationship with him for the very first time today, right here today. If that's you, if you're not saved and you want Jesus to save you, I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now today to ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you. But right now, right now, I'm gonna pray. And as soon as I say amen, I want us all, and I'm challenging as many people as possible to come up here, fight for your family in prayer. Come up here. If you've got sin to confess, you just come up here. God knows about it. You just come up here, get on your knees, and you pray, and you do business with God today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God that hears, that you are a God that's not far off in the heavens with no concern about what's happening on earth. God, you are intimately concerned. You are deeply connected to our lives. And you do care about these families. You do care about these marriages. You do care about what's going on in our hearts today. So God, I pray that you would help us to fight. Help us to fight. Help us to fight in prayer. Help us to fight by remembering the cross. Help us to fight with confession and forgiveness. God, let it, let it start right here. So God, when I say amen, I pray that people would come up front and they would just pray for their family. They would lift up their husband. They'd lift up their wife. They'd lift up their kids. They would pray for their marriage. They'd pray for their family. If the marriage is great, I pray they'd come. If the marriage is, is struggling, I pray that they'd come. Why? Because every marriage needs God. Every marriage needs the Holy Spirit. Father, for the person that's here today and you've, been, you've convicted them today about a sin in their life, I pray they deal with it today. God, for the person who's lost and needs to start a relationship with you, I pray they come to you for the first time today. Have your way right here in this place, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Just come right now. Just come right now. If you want to come, you come right here. You come on right now. You want to pray for your family, you come on. I don't care if your marriage is great. You come and pray that God would fill your marriage with the Holy Spirit. Your marriage is struggling. You come up here and you pray together. You pray by yourself. Or you just come up here and and fight for God. Fight for your marriage with God in prayer. If you've got sin to confess, come up here and do business with God. Let's fill this front. You can go down the aisle. This is awesome. People are coming. Don't wait. You come with them. Come with them. It doesn't matter if it's your first day here. You just come. You just come. Let's turn those lights down just a little bit. Let's, give, let's turn those lights down. Let's give people an opportunity just, just to come. And You just come. You just come right now. You just come and do business with God today. 
I know this is a moment where everybody, you might be tempted to leave and try to get out of the parking lot early. Would you not do that? Just for, just for a minute or two. Let's let God have his way right here. Okay? Let's just, let's just let God do what he's doing right now. If you need to come, you come. If you need to come, you want to come, you come. Maybe you didn't come. I just want you right there in your seat, right there. If you are married today, I want you to pray for your spouse right now. I want you to pray for them, for them. That they would love God, that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That they would be a man of God, they would be a woman of God. If your marriage is struggling today, I want you to know that God knows that. You're not in that marriage alone. You're not fighting that fight alone. I want you to ask God to heal that. I know there's a lot of people... You struggle every week. I wish my husband and my wife would come to church. They're not a Christian. They're not saved. Just pray for them right now. My kids are not saved. Pray for them right now. If you've got sin in your heart that God's telling you to confess, I just want you to say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for it. Listen, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, nobody is moving. If you are here today, and today you want to be saved, you're not a Christian, you don't know what would happen to you if you died, you're lost. I want you to know Jesus loves you. And right now you can be forgiven by God. Right now you can be saved. If you want to be saved today, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just invite you right there where you're kneeling or where you're sitting. I want, you to, I want to invite you to pray this prayer today if you want to be saved. Pray this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus... Forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I give my heart to you for the first time. Thank you for loving me, for dying for me, and coming back from the dead for me. I want you to be my Lord. In your name, amen. No one is looking around, no heads are up or anything like that. But did you just pray that prayer? If you just prayed that you would be saved, if you just asked Jesus to come into your life for the very first time, I'm gonna count to three. And as soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand high in the air just to indicate, Mark, today I gave my life to Jesus Christ for the first time. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now, today, right now, if you just prayed that prayer. There's a hand right here. Any other hands? Raise your hand right now, really high. Today I prayed that prayer. Today I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Raise your hand if that's you today. Praise God for that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Go ahead and put your hands down. Father, I just pray for every person that's come up, every person in that seat. God, heal today. There are families in this room, marriages in this room. There are people in this room. They need a healing. They need your presence. Would you fill that marriage? Would you heal? Do what only you can. God, I thank you for people that have given their life to you today. And God, I thank you that you are going to be begin to work in them and change them. And God, I pray for those who, God, just convicted and confessed sin today. Let them know. Let them know your love. Know your grace. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Summer, let's thank God for today. Let's thank God for who he is. Man, that's awesome. Praise God for today. And I'll tell you this really quickly, as people are making their way back to, to their seats, 
This is a great time right now. Hey, why doesn't everybody go ahead and grab your connection card, that card that you got when you walked in, and we do this every week. Will you just take a moment? If you got a prayer request, go ahead and write that prayer request down. Uh, any way we can serve you. Maybe you came up front to, conf- you know, pray for your marriage, something you need to confess. Write that down on the back of that card. And here in just a minute, there's going to be volunteers all over the back. Put those in the offering baskets, man. We would love to give those to you. Uh, we would love to just come alongside of you and pray. But let me say this. If today you gave your life to Jesus, okay, you raised your hand and get saved. On the back of that card, there is a box that says, I gave my life to Christ. Don't leave today until you check that box and drop it in one of those baskets or take it to the welcome table out there in the lobby. We'd love to give you a free Bible, a book called Seek First. If today you got saved, man, we would love to just help you uh, grow in your relationship with Jesus. Don't leave until you tell somebody. Guys, right now in just a second, they're going to go and they're going to get partnership event ready. Stick around for that. Free lunch. But next week is our last week of fighting for. We're going to talk about fighting for your kids. And we're going to, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you something next week that could radically change the way you think about raising your kids. Okay. Radically change the way you do it. All right. So come back next week. Guys, I love you so much. We thank God that you're here. You guys are dismissed. If you're new, hit the welcome table, made a decision for Christ for the first time, hit that welcome table too. Hope to see you in just a second at the partnership event.